Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Well, we've been doing a, a, video, or a sermon series called In Christ, and we've been going through the book of Ephesians. And we've been talking about the new life that the Lord gives us in Christ and this new relationship with Him that we have in Christ. And today I want to take a step back. Uh, we're still going to talk about life in Christ, but I'm going to move over to the book of Matthew for one week. Matthew chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Matthew 13. We're going to start in verse 53. If you have the Version Bible app on your phone, you can hit that events tab and it's all in there. The notes are in there. I use the same picture. It's Sorry, I didn't put a new picture on here for this, but the verses should all be in there. How many of you guys watched the Super Bowl last week? Go Chiefs. Um, but, sorry, I've been a Chiefs fan since I was in high school, as I said. But there was one commercial during the Super Bowl that caused a ton of, con- well, two, that caused a ton of controversy. Anyone have any idea what those were? The ones about Jesus. There were two commercials during the Super Bowl uh, there's a, an ad campaign called He Gets Us, and it's a group of Christians who are well-off financially, and they said, we want to bring the biblical Jesus back into mainstream culture. We want to reintroduce the biblical Jesus to culture in a way that will make them think about who Jesus is. And so they hired a national ad agency that's done a lot of big ads, and they did this entire series called He Gets Us. And so there have been a bunch. If you watch any ESPN, there's been a ton of them on ESPN because they're aiming at guys in that segment, and there are some other channels. Well, they purchased two commercials during the Super Bowl, and just very simple commercials about Jesus, and the Internet exploded. Like, I mean, just exploded. And you know who some of the most angry comments came from? Church people, Christians. They didn't like the way they portrayed Jesus in these commercials. And there's been a ton of backlash over it. And so I've been thinking about this all week. Like, what in the world? Like, you know, I expected it from people who didn't know Jesus. I didn't expect it from Christians. I I probably should have, but I didn't. So I'm going to show one. This is not one of the ones that was in the Super Bowl. This is one of the earlier ones they did that really kind of started the whole process. Uh, It'll be online, too. A rebel took to the streets. He recruited others to join him. They quit their jobs, left their families, and swore allegiance to him. They roamed the hood, challenged authority, and made a lot of people uneasy. Community leaders feared them. Religious leaders abhorred them. Law enforcement labeled them outlaws. We have to shut them down, they said. Get them off the streets. Protect our communities from these troublemakers. But they weren't part of a gang spreading hate and terror. They were spreading love. Biblical Jesus. Now, did anything in there set odd with you? It took me about three times watching that commercial before I felt comfortable with it, you know, because I was like, I, 
I don't know. And I kept thinking, I was like, well, that's actually pretty accurate. And what I love about this campaign is when they go to that website, it just tells them how to have a relationship with Christ. And then it sends them to local churches. Local churches, ours is one of them, can set up on there. And they can say, if you want more information, call this number or text this number. It's not trying to steal people away to some other thing. They're just sending them to the local church because they say the local church is the hope of the world. But why did Christians, why did church people get so mad about these commercials? I think it's because it challenged the way they saw Jesus. Because how many of you know, the longer you know someone, the more comfortable you get with them. And what does that comfort sometimes do? There's an old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. And sometimes, those of you that have been married a while, when your spouse surprises you, you kind of went, I thought I knew everything about you. And sometimes you surprise them, right? Sometimes they're, wait, what? You like fish? You like what? You know, I mean, how did that happen? And so, and that, I think, guys, sometimes challenges the way we see Jesus when we see him from a different angle. But how many of you know the exact same thing happened when Jesus was walking the earth? If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 13, starting at verse 53. It says, when Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to where? Nazareth, his hometown. Jesus had been out teaching, doing miracles, raising up his followers. He went back to his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and says, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply, what? Offended. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their, what? Unbelief. How amazing is it that Jesus was received well all over the place, but he goes home and he's rejected. His own community, his own people that watched him grow up couldn't accept what he was doing. And guys, sometimes when we've known Jesus for a while, it's hard for us to accept what he's doing. Sometimes when we follow Jesus for a while, and he starts poking areas of our lives, and we say, wait, hold on. <laughs> you can have all this. You leave that alone, right? You ever been there? He starts poking. Well, don't, don't, don't ask me to do that. I don't want to do that. So Jesus was rejected by those in his hometown. So I just want to take a look at this a little bit and, and see how we can make sure we're not the people of Nazareth. We're not rejecting what Jesus is trying to do in our lives. So, Lord, I pray this morning you would open our hearts. And, Lord, if there are walls that we put up between us and you, if there are parts of our lives that are off limits, Lord, would you show us those and help us to take those down? Would you help us to open our lives up to see you and what you're doing in us? In Jesus' name, amen. So how did the people reject? Why did they reject him? Well, the first thing the Bible says is they were amazed by him. When he first came, he said they were amazed. The people in his hometown said, wait a minute, where did Jesus learn that? Where did he get that power? They were amazed by the miracles. They were amazed by his wisdom. Where did he learn this? And they had heard stories, right? News still traveled. I mean, they didn't have social media, but they had 
foot media, you know, people would walk and, and tell, hey, I saw Jesus, do, Jesus raised a guy from the dead. Wait, what, Jesus? I taught him in third grade, yeah, that Jesus. He was in my Sunday school class, yeah, right? They had heard that he had raised the dead, that he had healed sick people. He'd made the blind see and the mute speak. And they were amazed. He had driven out demons, and Jesus had restored outcasts. He had amassed a following. He was calling himself a rabbi, and he had disciples following him. So Jesus comes to town with his posse, you know, shows up, and they were amazed. And in Luke 4, it said they spoke of him, and they were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. They were amazed at what Jesus did. But then, all of a sudden, they took offense. They took offense to him. They were offended. And that word, offense, in the, the Greek language, it's actually the same word that means to be tripped up. It meant that they were put off by him. They were offended by what he was doing um, when this and I love this, this commentary said they were put off when his style of ministry failed to tally with their expectations. And they were offended against his accepted conventions. They didn't like that Jesus was taking good news to the poor. That offended the well-off. That he was healing outcasts and bringing outcasts back in and, and bringing sinners. They took off the, the religious elite. It, it made them upset. And you know what? When Jesus came, we talked about this a million times. When Jesus came as the Messiah, they thought he was going to do what? He was going to bring about a revolution, right? He was going to bring about political change. He was going to overthrow the Romans. And then instead he comes and he starts feeding poor people. Instead he starts healing those who are sick. He starts bringing in those who are outcasts. They didn't like that. He failed to meet their expectations. And here's the biggest thing, I think, of any of us, and I think this is what Jesus does to us. He shook up their comfortable faith. They knew how church went. They knew what it was like to follow the Lord because they'd grown up in it, and Jesus shook them up. How many times has God shaken you? When you think, oh, yeah, God's doing this, and he says, wait a minute, I want you to try this. I want you, I want you to do this. I want you to start working in the preschool class. I want you to wipe noses. You know, I want you to do that. Oh, no, 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 no. I want you to take this class and maybe, maybe further your knowledge. You know, Pastor Kenny and I were talking last night in the church van just about experiences you've had with God. And how many of you have ever had an experience with God where you're at like a camp service or a men's retreat or Wednesday and you're jumping up and down and God did something really cool, right? You ever been there? How many of you have ever had an incredible experience with God when it was just you and him alone and quiet? Yeah. You know, I told Kenny, I, I, can, I can show you some of the places. Like, I can show you. I can take you to the Southern Missouri campground and show you the spot on the platform where God completely wrecked everything I thought I knew about him. And he said, you're going to be a preacher. I said, absolutely not. <laughs> and I, I can show you. I, I was there for a long, long time fighting it out. And then it drug it out about another year. But I can show you. I can also show you places in hotel conference rooms when we were at district council or general council, and just quiet, alone time, just sitting there with God, and he completely wrecked everything I thought I knew. He does that a lot, doesn't he? You think you got this whole Christianity thing figured out, and he said, I want you to give this up. Wait, what? I thought that was okay. And so, and a lot of us have these areas in our lives, guys, where we get offended when God starts poking at that. Don't you dare move me. Don't you dare ask me to move to another community or another part of town. Oh, don't dare Asked me to give up 
this brand new truck that I just bought, you know, like, I mean, it's, I don't, you know, and, and God starts poking those areas, and that's what happened. The people of Nazareth thought they knew Jesus, and he offended them and took offense to him, and they couldn't accept his message. Jesus was a local. They knew all about him. They had seen him. They had maybe even changed his diapers. You know, they had, they had seen him grow up. They'd seen him have acne as a teenager and all these things. Like, Wait a minute, now you're some celebrity? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to tell me that I need to change the way I see God? They were offended. They couldn't accept his message. Guys, sometimes we let ourselves get so comfortable with God that when he starts talking to us about things, we, whoa, wait a minute, uh-uh. No, no, no. I have this thing figured out. No. I remember one time I was in Bible college. You know, I was a great Bible college student, uh, you know, and all these things. <laughs> and I was, at, I was at a church service, and we had an evangelist come. And you know how evangelists, they step on everybody's toes. And so we're having prayer at the end of service. And I was feeling really good about myself. You know, I was in Bible college. I had a job. I had a you know, I, I had plans for what God was going to do with me. I thought I had everything figured out. And I remember this evangelist came and he was praying for us. And I was just kind of like, okay, I'm thinking about what I'm going to have at lunch in the calf. And he comes and he prays for him and he stops and he says, God tells me that you're in rebellion. I was like, <laughs> kind of whack job is this? He has no idea what he's talking about, right? And you know what God did all afternoon? He started showing me areas where I wasn't allowing him to have control. Well, you think you've got this figured out, but this is what I want to do instead. And I was. And I was offended. I was greatly offended. Not enough to not eat lunch. I still ate, but I was really offended. <laughs> I couldn't take a nap that afternoon. I was that, you know, and, but he was right. He was exactly right. And guys, sometimes God does that in us. He was trying to do that to the people of Nazareth, and they wouldn't accept it. So guys, don't ever let ourselves, may we never be so comfortable with God that we don't listen to him anymore. Don't ever let your faith get on cruise control to where you're not listening. Because it's easy. Guys, it's easy. Yep, finish my reading plan for today, and now I'm going to do my own thing. He was getting them outside their comfort zone. And that's what God wants to do with all of us. Don't ever think we're good enough that we don't need to repent. Don't ever think that we're good enough that we don't need to change something in our lives. Because God is always going to be working on us, guys. Always going to be working on us. So why did their lack of faith prevent miracles? So many times they say, man, God, I want you to do something big in my life. But when he tries to do it, we say, wait, well, not that. <laughs> not that part. Leave that alone. How did their lack of faith prevent miracles? Well, here's the thing, guys. Their lack of faith did not limit God's power. You know, sometimes when God is not moving in our lives, we think we're limiting his power. No, his power is still absolute, right? He can still do anything he wants except what we don't allow him to do. But their lack of it didn't limit his power. How many times did God do something that took no faith on the part of the other person? He fed 5,000 people. They didn't have any faith. They were there for lunch, right? He parted the sea. The sea didn't care. Jesus raised the dead. They had no say in the matter. <laughs> I was just resting well. Oh, I'm back, you know. They had no say in it. Jesus did all these kind of things that took no input. So the could not wasn't related to his power. The could not, where he couldn't do miracles, was related to his mission. 
Do you remember when it said earlier, remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan? And Jesus said, I can't do that. He could not turn stones into bread. Could he have turned stones into bread? Absolutely. He could have had an entire bakery pop up if he wanted to. Why did he not? Because it didn't line up with his mission. And guys, Jesus could have done anything he wanted in Nazareth, but it would have overrode his mission to override their faith or their lack of faith. And I know he was frustrated. Can you imagine how frustrated Jesus probably was? Do you know what I could do if you would just let me? But you're not. Do you know what I could do in you if you would just allow me access to that part of your life? And guys, so many times he says that to us, doesn't he? If you would just let me have this part, I could change this. But so many times we hold on to stuff because we're what? We're comfortable with it. How many people do we know that stay in bad jobs because they're what? Comfortable. Or people stay in bad relationships because they're what? Comfortable. We stay stuck to a sin, almost like it's a habit or a pet, because we're what? Comfortable with it. And we have to allow the pain of staying there to be less than the pain of change. And then we can change. We have to allow God and say, Lord, I am sick of being stuck in the same place. Would you come and do something? He says, I will if you just what? Let go a little bit. All right? So it didn't change his power Their lack of faith is what limited his work in their life. Their lack of faith. And it might not even be really lack of faith. It might be lack of letting go of control. (laughs) I know that's my big problem. What about you guys? I like to have things lined out, figured out. You know, I want to do this. I want to have this. I want to have this. It was their lack of faith. We are often the reason that things don't happen. We limit what God can do in our lives by our stubbornness. Or a lack of faith. The book of Mark telling this story says that he was amazed at their lack of faith. The message translation, I love it. It says he was amazed at their hostile indifference. Isn't that a great word? Hostile indifference. How many people sitting in seats every Sunday have a hostile indifference? Meaning, God, you can do whatever you want, but don't try to move me. You can do whatever you want, but don't try to poke this area of my life. You can do whatever you want, but don't ask me to teach that class. Or don't ask me to forgive that person. Don't ask me to do this. Hostile indifference. It's, it's tough. And so they were greatly offended and refused to believe. And sometimes I think this hostile indifference, this lack of faith, is tied to our expectations. We just expect God to do the same thing all the time. And when he changes it up, it surprises us. And we don't like it. There was a story about a, a guy who took his son camping. And the son was like 10, so he went on a camping trip. So on a Sunday morning, he said, you know, we're going to go ahead and go to this church that's here in town. So they went to church. They got in there, and they passed the offering plate around. And the guy forgot to bring cash. And so he dug in his pocket. He found a dime. So he said, here, put this in. So he and the kid put the dime in, and it went on by. Well, after service, the, the dad was like, oh, that was, that was horrible, man. The service was too long. The pastor was boring. The songs were off key. And the kid said, well, I didn't think it was too bad for a dime. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times, guys, it's our 
expectations, right? We have to allow God to work in us and not experience that lack of faith. Don't allow our lack of believing God can do something to be the limiting factor in our lives. And it's funny, you know, I, as a youth pastor, I would, I would take a van load of kids down to camp, and they would just, woohoo! you know, I mean, they're just all over the place, and, you know, services are two and a half hours, no problem, you know. And then we come back the next Wednesday, and they're sitting there like this. <laughs> or they're drawing on their hand, you know, and I'm like, it's the same God. I mean, he, he traveled back from camp to here, you know. It's the same one, but what is it? It's their what? Expectation. They expect God to move at camp. We expect God to move at men's encounter, men's retreat, women's encounter, women's retreat, youth camp, kids camp. We expect God to do that. But sometimes when we come to church on a Sunday, we just don't expect anything, right? We expect, all right, did I remember to turn the crock pot on? You know, what time is, what time do the Huskers play basketball today? You know, I mean, all those different things are going through our minds. We have to expect, and that's what happened to the people of Nazareth, guys. Jesus shows up, and they've heard these stories, but they expect the same Jesus, right? And Jesus is operating and doing all kinds of stuff, and they won't accept it because they didn't believe that it was actually what he could do. So how can we keep this in our lives, guys? How can we apply this to our lives? Well, first, we have to believe that God can work in our lives. In Matthew 19, Jesus looked at them, and he said, With man, this is impossible, but with God... All things are possible. Do we really believe that? It's okay. Yeah, you can, yeah. Thank you. I've seen some nods. Yeah, we really believe that with God, all things are possible, right? All things, anything. In Mark 9, someone said, Lord, if you, if you can, you can do this. And Jesus said, if I can. He said, everything is possible for one who believes. So we have to believe. We have to believe that God is big enough to do this in our lives. We have to believe that God is big enough to heal this disease, or God is big enough to take care of this problem, or, or God is big enough to overcome my stupidity. I know I said that word. I saw a thing sometimes that says, your stupidity, or God factored in your stupidity when he created the plan. And I was like, oh, that's such a great thing. Like, I, because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I just make terrible choices. Anybody else there? Sometimes I just do dumb things, and I think later, why did I do that? God factors that in. He is big enough to overcome that. He's big enough to overcome our lack of faith. He's big enough to overcome our limitations and our shortcomings. He said everything is possible. So we have to believe, but then we have to allow him. We have to allow him to work in our lives. And guys, this is probably the biggest issue. So many times people say, well, I just didn't have enough faith, and God couldn't do it. We're really not that strong. Right? Our lack of faith is really not that strong. A lot of times it's our allowing him to work. He wants to, but we won't let him. He wants to work, but we won't allow him to do that. How many times have you tried to help someone that didn't want help? It's one of the most frustrating things in the world. It's like, if you would just let me. If you just let me help you, I could do this. We could do this together. And guys, so many times the Lord is saying the same thing to us. Just let me work. Let me do it, but we keep them at an arm's distance. In Matthew chapter 8, there's a story of a centurion's daughter who was sick, and Jesus said, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. He went to great lengths to see that. He traveled all the way to Jesus to come. 
Remember in Matthew chapter 9, the guys brought their friend who was paralyzed on a mat. And Jesus said, take heart, sons, your sins are forgiven. They were willing to put in the work. They brought him all the way there on a mat. Remember, they dug the hole in the roof, lowered him down, interrupted service, you know, dropped things on the choir, all that stuff, right, to get the guy healed. And then the blind men in in Matthew 9 again came and they said, we want our sight. And he said, according to your faith, let it be done. They allowed Jesus to work. So guys, I'm going to challenge you here in just a moment. We're going to pray. I'm going to challenge you. Take time today. Take time this afternoon. Take time this week and say, Lord, what areas am I holding off from you? What areas am I restricting access? What areas in my life am I holding you in an arm's distance? Because I'm afraid of what you might do. What area do you want to work in me? And guys, I can promise if you will allow him to work, you'll be amazed at what he'll do. And it'll be good. Because God's plan is better than our plan. Do we believe that? I know, guys. When I was at that camp service and I was in that little spot, I was on this side of the podium right, right about here. I remember God was talking to me plain as day. And he had told me through several other people, I really feel like God has a call in your life. And I was like, oh, no, you're thinking of that guy. You know, I don't know, not me. And I remember, and I said this to God. I'm like, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. Just don't send me overseas. Please don't send me, you know, don't. Don't send me out to the boondocks, you know, I I really need a Starbucks, you know, I mean, I was afraid of what God might do if I allowed him. And I, seriously, it took right out a year, and finally one day I just said, I am so tired of fighting you on this, God. All right, whatever, do whatever you want. And finally God said, thank you. And then, you know, I started seeing God work in my life. But until that point, I was keeping him at a distance because I was afraid of what he might do. And I really believe so many of us, God has incredible plans for us, but we just keep this. Because we're afraid of what he might ask or what he might do. We have to trust him. Do we believe that he's good? Yeah. So we have to be willing to allow him to work. And last, we have to be willing to accept grace. What is grace? Undeserved favor. God loving us when we don't deserve it. God doing good things in us when we don't deserve it. And we have to be willing to accept that grace. I love this line. I can't remember who I saw it from. I wrote it down. The townspeople wouldn't believe what Jesus could do because of the ordinariness of him. They wouldn't believe what he could do because of the ordinariness of him. They knew his family. I want to say, we, his sister's over right here. His sister's not that great, you know. And we know his brothers, they're a little, you know. But he was too ordinary. They wouldn't allow him to work in their lives because they thought he was too ordinary. And guys, one of the reasons I think people are so offended at these commercials, and I've seen a bunch of them. I've still never seen anything that was unbiblical in these commercials. Why are they so offended? Because it makes Jesus look kind of like an ordinary person. And that's the point. They're saying he gets us. He understands because he was there. The Bible says he went through every temptation we do, and yet he didn't sin. And so, guys, Jesus understands us, but sometimes we want to make him so out there that he doesn't understand us. And he gives us license sometimes, doesn't it? We think he gives license. Well, he just doesn't understand. Yeah, he does. He does. So we have to be willing to accept that grace. We have to be willing to to come to him even with all our problems. And sometimes we try to keep him at a distance. Lord, let me get this figured out. And then I'll let you work. <laughs> let, me, let me just figure this thing out first. No, let him work in you to get that figured out. 
right? So I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come up this morning. And I've asked them to sing that song again, that coming back, because I think it just fits perfectly with what we're doing. So if you're physically able, would you stand this morning? If you're watching online, would you just kind of change positions a little bit? So would you pray with me? Lord, we're so thankful today that you do get us. You understand us. You love us. And you have such a great plan for our lives. Lord, you have such good things in store for us, but so many times we keep you at a distance because we're afraid of what you might do. And Lord, sometimes we get so comfortable in our relationship with you that we forget that you have the power to do anything and that you want to work in us. We just kind of cruise through life. But Lord, I pray you would shake us up today. Lord, would you shake up the comfort zone? Would you shake us out of our comfort? And Lord, work in us again. Do something in us today. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you just kind of take a moment, shut yourself in with the Lord this morning and just allow him to speak. Is there an area in your life where you're holding Jesus at an arm's length? Is there an area of your life that you're saying, no, this is off limits. You know, you can, you can do this or this or this, but don't ask me to do that. Or is there an area in your life that you're saying, no, I'm just not good enough. Why, why would you want to do something in me? Let me get this figured out. So every head, every, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're this morning, say, you know, Pastor X, I don't have a relationship with Christ because I haven't keeping him at an arm's distance. I've never asked him to forgive my sins. I've never asked him to come into my life and help me start this relationship with him. But I want to do that today. I want to accept him into my life. I want to ask him to forgive my sins and make me new. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right where you're at? I want to pray with you this morning. All right, if you're here this morning, say, you know, I'm so comfortable with Jesus that I kind of find myself offended sometimes. I... He tries to do something. I just say, no, 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 no. Don't do that. And I just really want to take those walls down. God's been showing me something in my life, and I want to take those walls down. I want to give him access to every part of my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? We're going to pray with you right where you are. Yeah, Lord, I want you to take every part. All right. And if you're here this morning, you say, you know, I've kind of lacked faith. I kind of forgot what he can do in me. And I want him just to come in and, and just, I'm just going to say, Lord, just have your way. Do whatever you want. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'm, just, I'm giving you access to every part. Yeah, Lord, I pray for all those that raise their hands. Lord, I pray for those who have gotten so comfortable that we don't allow you access to every part of our lives. We've gotten so comfortable that we're, we're just kind of on cruise. And when you come in and you start shaking things or start pointing to things, we, we kind of get offended sometimes. Lord, forgive us for that. Help us to give you access today. And Lord, for those of us who have kind of lacked faith, we've kind of kept you at an arm's distance because we, we really forget what you can do. Lord, help us to open up every part of our lives to you. And just say, Lord, have your way in me. Help me to come back to that first love and just really believe again that you can do anything that you want. And I give you access to do that. In Jesus' name.